This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. It is... 2021 this is our very first episode of the year happy new year happy new year everybody i hope everybody had a wonderful holiday break that's right we're looking Uh, 2020 in the rearview mirror saying goodbye but i have to say there were some positives that came out of 2020 people being able to work from home and you know i think it's just really opened the eyes of a lot of people to show what can be done when push comes to shove yeah well, there's some definitely some pushing and some shoving <laughs> sure. one way of putting it um it did you uh how was your holiday tiring oh. it was really tiring it was good really it was tiring it was really tiring um i don't know maybe um, I, I think i've been fighting a little bit of some health issues um oh, really? but you know it's, this week's been the worst so far but overall, the holidays were fine. We did a bunch of video chats with family and friends. And, you know, Christmas Eve, we did one. And then Christmas morning, we did another one. And opened presents together with family virtually. And so, yeah, we had you know a lot of fun. Played some games. Yeah, and Yeah, I think a lot of people were in that boat. Like, it was somewhat different. Um, you know, and some people, for some people, I mean, it was, it was radically different, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got through it. It's, it's fine. Yeah, I felt bad for, you know, some of our, our customers or anybody, I guess who had to spend it alone, who maybe didn't have family that they could Zoom with or, you know, do virtual meetings with. Just kind of strange, strange year. It was a strange year, but I mean, I think that that's the key to dealing with something like that is to just, you know, chalk it up to it. This is going to be a weird year. It's going to be okay. It's just one year out of however many. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no big deal. So, you know, the less of a big deal that you make it, the less of a big deal it is. That's... That's my motto, everybody. <laughs> motto of the show for 2021. That's right. And on the back of that t-shirt, it says, F- it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That, that's the winning, your winning attitude for 2020. That's how we got through it, everybody. Um, no, so 2021, here we are. Um, God, it, it feels, yeah, it feels, feels weird to say that even. I still, it's still a little bit surreal to me that it's 2021 that's what i've I've been saying to people as well as you know it's hard to believe it's been 10 months 11 months since the pandemic started and i don't know if i can recall another year that has gone by as quickly as 2020 did it just seemed to fly by yeah that's that's funny that you say that because i find that too like it really i find that the year did go by really fast Mm -hmm. like it's sort of a lost year it is yeah maybe we were just so preoccupied Oh, I'm sure that was it. I mean, you know, it, it's 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 kind of hard for it not to go fast when it's when it's such a shit show um, the entire year, um, you know, from. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, in any case, <laughs> it's over. It's gone. We don't want to we don't want to talk about it. It's 2021. We're not going to talk about 2020 anymore because we know what we talked about 2020 enough in 2020. This is all about 2021. Can you say 2021 more time? 2021. <laughs> That's right. Um, We're moving forward. We are moving forward. Um, and speaking of moving forward, uh, what are we doing today? Today, we are speaking with an Android app developer by the name of Pramit Bargava, who has a voice control app he has developed named Louie. So this is, and so if I'm understanding this correctly, this is an app that it basically allows you to, to operate your mobile device strictly through your voice. Is that right? specific apps on your mobile device and and he can clarify that as well so apps like youtube whatsapp accessing your contacts making phone calls all using your voice well and really those are sort of the baseline essential apps that you that most people use um, on their mobile device anyways so 
that's definitely a, a good start. Yeah, you know, I actually installed it on my old Android LG G6, and it's it's a little slow on my phone, but my phone my phone is quite old. But I was able to tell it to do a search for something on YouTube, and I was able to pause it and go to the next video and search for videos and all using my voice. And it worked really well. Oh, really? That's mm. excellent. Yeah, you know what? That's something that's really been missing. I mean, I know that... Apple does have a voice control app for your iPhone, and I think you can control yeah. most aspects of your phone. And Android, only in the last couple of weeks or maybe month, released their voice access app as well. Okay. This is great. I feel like this is a new leap forward in terms of accessibility because if you can really unlock the entire power of something like a mobile device through voice only, um, not only does that open things up for somebody, say, who is visually impaired, um, it's really somebody who has, has, has physical access issues. That could really be a huge difference as well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm looking forward, of, looking forward to talking to him a little bit, seeing kind of where or what his roadmap is, you know, what apps, if he's willing to share, are coming next. Um, you know, he's got a great website. It's very well thought out, very detailed. He's got some videos about the app and how to use it. And yeah, I'm just excited to have him on. Yeah, you know, this is what I love about smartphones and really like development in general it's so much easier to have really small development teams coming up with like really amazing apps. Like it used to be where like in order to create like something like a piece of software, you really needed like a, a fairly large development team. Well, and there was a lot to it. Whereas now I feel like it, it, app, app development is almost like a cottage industry. You can have a team of one or two or three people that could really develop um, a, a really amazing and innovative app that nobody else has thought of yeah and i don't know much at all about programming or code but i think in the last few years maybe i don't know five ten years and pramit can probably correct me on this but i think programming languages themselves have become more accessible there's more tools available to people with disabilities to go and create their own apps yeah, so it's. I feel like it's a real golden age of of development. Um, you know, especially because everybody has these really powerful platforms, i.e., um, Android and iOS, that they can use to develop all kinds of things. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk to him, and, and I, I'm I'm interested to hear what his story is and, and the the background in in developing this. What made him want to develop an app like this? At the moment, there isn't a lot out there like this yeah i don't think so so cool hey um you know what else it is this week um vispero released some new updates to jaws fusion and zoom text today oh that's boring no <laughs> software updates are such a nerd get excited over it's on version 2.0.6a. <laughs> no, I don't get that specific anymore. <laughs> uh -huh. Sure. I'm getting uh, old. No, no. What I was referring to was uh, World Braille Day is uh, this week. Yes. Uh, of course, when this episode airs, it will have been last week. So, hello, future. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, it was uh, January 4th, World Braille Day. It was uh, Louis Braille's birthday. And uh, Louis Braille, of course, being the inventor of the Braille system. It's definitely gained a lot of ground. Everybody I looked at on Twitter yesterday was just Braille, 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 yeah. Braille. There was virtual seminars going on on Braille. It was everywhere. It's good to see. You know, yeah, it is good to see. I'm really glad to hear that because I really feel like for the past five, six years, Braille was a little bit on shaky ground with, with the advent of, of screen reading technology sort of becoming a lot more um, ubiquitous um, on, on mobile phone platforms. They became a lot more common, you know, Windows built in narrator into the, the operating system. Screen readers were sort of everywhere. And I feel like for a lot of people, that sort of screen reading technology, there was a thought that it might replace Braille, but it's that's so misguided. Yeah, I think that's, you know, kind of been an argument for a number of years, but in order to have true literacy, being able to read and write, spell words correctly, you know, Braille is the tool for the blind. Um, yeah. And I think that debate needs to end because 
everybody who is partially sighted and is losing will lose their sight over time should start learning it um yeah you know the sooner the better um even if it's just simple alphabet to label stuff in the house um it's totally worth the time and effort it takes yeah it's interesting you say that because i i think i ag really agree with that i think that part of the problem right now is that people don't learn braille soon enough and i'm talking about specifically about say people who have something some sort of a, a degenerative eye condition where they they know for for a fact that they're they're going from low vision and eventually they will be blind and i feel like a, for a lot of people they just don't want to accept that and and they don't want to learn braille until they actually have to and you know, I've heard it time and time again from people who are saying that, you know, they really wish that they had learned or started learning Braille earlier than they did because it would make that transition a lot smoother. But I mean, I, I get it in a sense because I, I know that there's, you know, there's emotions involved. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, when you have something like a an eye condition like that, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to admit defeat and you don't want to do something like learn Braille because it just feels, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it feels. Well, there's definitely a grieving process, you know, and it takes time to process the fact that a, you're, you are losing your sight and then B once it's gone. Okay. Now what do I do? It's gone. You know, yeah. in my case, I lost it instantaneously. So I just thrown into the fire and, yeah. you know, pretty much had no choice. But listening to people talk about when they learned Braille, how they learned Braille, it totally makes so much sense, so much more sense to surround yourself or bury yourself into Braille, whether it's having a mentor who can you know guide you along the way or just going for like a four week, eight week, whatever the time period is course, you know, just diving deep into Braille and really learning it well because screen readers are okay but at the same time they are not going to read your can of soup you know they're not gonna read a lot of different items you may have in your house whether it's for labeling clothing or stuff in the fridge so one of my new year's resolutions and my one of my 2021 goals is to learn braille are you serious yeah yeah i'm totally gonna do it i'm gonna take a course through hadley and uh yeah i'm gonna learn how to how to uh, read Braille. Good for you. Yeah, I thought that would be fun. I thought that, that was a good 2021 goal. And now when you and Rick talk about dot eight and dot six, <laughs> I know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Nice. And who knows? You know, Who knows when you need it? I mean, I also want to learn sign language too, but that's a whole other thing. But Well, and again, you know, when I learned Braille, it was literary, literary grade one and grade two Braille. And then... UEB came along and some of the contractions changed. So, you know, I haven't learned the UEB code. I'm understanding that a lot of it is the same. So the learning curve wouldn't be that great. But, and, and I don't use Braille on a daily basis. You know, I have a Braille display here that I can be using. But, you know, I, I just, I choose not to. But at least I have the ability that I can pull out my Perkins Brailler or my Braille display and I can read in grade one some grade two Braille what it is that my computer might be reading to me or if somebody hands me you know something on a that's been brailled out I can probably make my way through it yeah so it's very important and well it absolutely is you know and, and we could go on about that but I mean I don't know we've probably done like five episodes of the show um, about our opinions on Braille. That's so. right. Go and listen. Go and listen to the Limitless podcast. Oh, look at that! You're plugging. You're plugging the Limitless podcast. Look at you go. Look at that. Well, yeah, we could go on at nauseum about Braille, but uh, that's not what this show is about. Oh, hey, you know what else? Uh, I got an email from. Uh, you remember our, our good buddy Tony Giles? Yes. Uh, the the world traveler, the yep. guy that just shows up in countries and he's completely <laughs> blind and he just figure stuff out yep yeah he um i got an email from him and apparently he um he's been keeping busy he's still been traveling but he's got a new um he's got a new book out really called yeah it's called seeing a slice of southern africa my way 
huh. colon, an enlightening journey. I bet. Yeah, you know what? Um, I will include that, the link to that in the show notes if anybody wants to check that out. But uh, yeah, our thoughts are with Tony. Um, we should really probably have him back on the show because he was I was just fascinated by his story. He's such a cool guy. Yeah, I'll have to look back at the archives and see when we had him on last, but it's definitely been a while. Yes, we were definitely in the Guitar Dungeon. <laughs> so this is Vorden's two years ago. Yeah. God, I, wonder what was, I wonder if he was traveling during the pandemic. Yeah, I don't know. That would have been kind of scary. Can yeah. you imagine like, traveling as a blind person in a pandemic? Like, well, that's you know kind of one of the choruses in my latest song right you know they tell us to stay six feet apart i'm blind how am i supposed to do that you know like right. yeah i can't imagine yeah you yeah know, people but yelling at you screaming at you knowing tony man he's fearless that guy so if anyone can do it tony can do it anybody can do it you just stiffen your back you grab your cane and you say pardon me out of my way Wow, look at you, 2021. You're a different dude. What did you do with Ryan? Ryan who? Yeah, exactly. He's gone. Hi, everyone. This is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies, and this is a shameless plug. We've been working hard to find less expensive Braille products so we can make Braille available for more people. We can now say that we have Canada's most comprehensive lineup of inexpensive Braille solutions, including the 20-cell BrailleMe from InnoVision, the soon-to-be-released 40-cell Orbit Braille display from Orbit Research, as well as the world's least expensive multi-line Braille reader, the Canute from Bristol Braille. You can have a look at them all on our website at www.canastech.com. Joining us now is Pramit Bargava. All right, so Pramit, I am Ryan, and joining us in the room is my host, Rob Mano. Uh, hello. Hi, Rob. And all the way from India. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Wonderful. Well, listen, um, we're excited to talk to you, but what, before we really dive too far into it, um, I'm really curious to, to hear a little bit about you and your, your backstory and how Louie came about. Okay, so uh, okay, so I was actually somebody with a normal vision. So half my life is with vision, half my life as a visually impaired. Uh, so uh, I did my computer engineering, then uh, went on to do MBA, and then I worked with uh, you know global companies like uh, Unilever, Motorola, Quest Diagnostics, and it was about twenty years back when the reaction of a drug impacted my retina. And the vision sort of just dropped overnight. And uh, I could still get some corrections. So I continued working. But, uh, you know, my vision was dropping. And doctors really had no clue. You know, because, like I said, it was reaction of a drug. So I had all kind of, you know, I had macular degeneration. I had pigments, uh, you know, colorblind. Anything and everything was there. And it was almost nine years back, uh, you know, the, when my vision uh, star again started dropping rapidly. I couldn't read anything at all. And this was a phase suddenly, you know, I found myself completely, you know, with no confidence at all. All the devils in the mind saying, I can't do this, I can't do that. So two and a half, three years, I was just sitting at home, uh, almost uh, lost. Uh, I was trying to use the screen readers, adjusting to them. And uh, it so happened because I lost confidence. I think it was more in the mind that uh, for even simple things in life, uh, you know, even if somebody was calling me up or if I have to call Rob, let's say, you know, I had to always seek somebody's help, even for the simplest of things. So I think that uh, experience uh, actually taught me a great deal, both about life and, you know, I think it has, uh, of course, uh, influenced, uh, you know, how Louis uh, voice control came about. So Pramit, let me ask you, what are the support systems like in India for somebody who is losing their vision or is blind? Yeah, I think great question. So my sense is that uh, people who were born blind, right? So the kids who were born blind, so what happens is there are, I think, good uh, support systems for them. Because A, the parents have no option but to go out and uh, figure out what is there. And then uh, there are uh, options like, for example, there are hostels, there are, uh, there, there are people who are training them, there are people who are focusing on their education. 
so uh, for somebody who was born blind i think it's relatively i would say uh, you know the uh, there is far more help now for somebody like me and uh, you know if you uh, uh, you know whatever data i have looked at i think almost 80% 85% people lose their vision over a period of time right and uh, i think then suddenly what happens is uh, that a that person you know like in my case a i myself wasn't sure uh, you know what uh, resources that are available uh, you know because i i never looked at that to the family around me the friends are around me they had no idea and uh, and then uh, you know somewhere uh, like in my case i just try to figure it out everything on my own i didn't even make an effort to go out so i would say it's probably uh, you know if i compare it on a global basis whatever i heard of us or uh, uk or europe i think it's far more organized there relatively i think far easier here in india we don't have one big organization but there are a whole lot of small ones so you still got to figure out in your city where you stay you know what is the center close to you but i think it's gradually improving let me put it this way sure okay when I see that, that that is the real importance of apps like Louis and so many others out there is that, you know, with everybody having smartphones, um, having apps like this to help in terms of mobility or accessibility or and even if it's, you know, even if it's something minor and small, it can be a really big deal to somebody who is a, you know, just losing their sight or ha or having just lost it. I agree completely, and particularly, uh, Ryan. What I would say, and this is something I've observed in India, and uh, this was the point I was making. That, uh, like for example, there are some certain centers who are running three-month courses, six-month courses. Now, for somebody who you know loses his vision, or uh, you know didn't have vision, let's say to begin with, you know there have to be easy solutions with a very low learning curve. So at least you know you're off the ground. Uh, your because what I think uh, you know is in my case. And I've spoken to a lot of visually impaired people. I think you lost the battle. You lose the battle in the mind. So once that confidence is gone, you know, it's very important to gain it back. And the only way you can do it when you start doing things on on your own, when you feel that you are in control and you are becoming sort of uh, independent. Uh, so I completely agree. Every new app and with with an easy learning curve, and with you know somebody in the family uh, themselves can sort of quickly understand and uh, you know uh, teach you, or you learn on your own. Uh, so, so that that is one objective behind Louis Voice Control. How do we, uh, you know, uh, make it really easy to use? So, could you give us a little bit of a, a snapshot um, for the audience, just a little bit of an introduction and what Louis does? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Louis Voice Control is actually a very very simple idea. The thought is uh, with just voice commands. Can I completely control my phone and my popular apps? now uh, how this came about is important i think that will bring alive the concept so uh, you know uh, i had met a managing director of a large venture capital company who had put this thought in my mind i was doing consulting at that time and he said look why are you you know consulting is okay but why not build apps for people like you you can leverage your experience and uh, you know do something which will help you and help others so this thought was back of my mind but you know how it is <laughs> getting into a startup is not easy at all and uh, i had gone to meet a friend and on the way back he took my smartphone and he said why don't i book uber for you uh, he asked me my destination and he put it in uber and he said okay it's showing up these three matching destination which one you want to take i selected the one then he told me the rights available the fare i said okay take this one and then similarly he confirmed everything with me and then booked and even called the driver for me and on the way back in uber you know uh, i just felt this was a wonderful experience a it was extremely convenient b i just felt that you know i was in control so i was uh, you know so you know because uh, uh, what i have felt as a visually impaired that i want to be independent but i want to be in control as well that's very important so i just felt that look what if i could uh, create a virtual friend right on the phone screen which will do exactly the same thing so what louis does is so if i have to draw on this example now for example uh, louis uh, completely voice enables uber so uh, end to end every functionality of uber i can control with voice command so that's uh, that's uh, one second is uh, that it does continuous voice interaction exactly like the way my friend was doing so every time i have a doubt i just close my eyes and think back uh, you know of that experience and what will my human friend do you know uh, if he were there 
So there is continuous voice interaction, there is continuous hand-holding, the options are being given to the user, and uh, it sort of, you know, doesn't take a command and go silent. So that's uh, very important. So that's really broadly, uh, Ryan, I would say the overall concept of uh, Louis. Yeah, I, I installed um, Louis on my old Android LG G6 um, to experience it myself. I'm totally blind myself, Pramit. And so you know, you're right. When I launched YouTube, I used it as my example. Um, you're right. Every part of it was spoken. You know, what would you like to do? And I said search as one of the options that came up. And so I could dictate what I wanted to search for and then would you like this one? Would you like this one? Would you like this one? And I chose the one I wanted and, you know, it played it after it was done. What would you like to do now? And, you know, like, like you said, from beginning to end, it was Louis guiding me through each step of the way. So, like I said, I've, I've just tried to a solve my own problem <laughs> and I think just replicate that whole experience, which I had uh, with my friend. But there is still just just so you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. So right now we are seeking a lot of uh, feedback and inputs from everybody. Will Louis allow you to fully control your phone or just specific apps on your phone? Okay, so uh, uh, so we have to work individually on every app or every functionality of the phone. Right. So like I said, the vision is, and that's why I said there's a lot of work to be done. So the way we want to go forward is that look all the critical functionalities of the phone. So for example, whether it's settings or you know whether all the popular apps that are there, we want to do it on our own and hopefully you know create Louis more like a platform where uh, you know other app developers can come in. We can share an SDK and they can integrate uh, their app with Louis because I mean of course we can't do everything, mm -hmm. but the idea is to cover all popular apps. Well, and you and got the if I can. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, and you've got the basics down, like making a phone call, you know, accessing contacts, like you said, booking an right. Uber, some of the th things that people are, might do on a regular basis, Louis does. Correct. And one of the other things that we are also working on, so I I'll give you examples because these are all results of feedback in the last one month. So, for example, right now it works only in online mode, but within three, four days, we are taking out an offline capability also because there are parts of the world where uh, either internet is very expensive and or, or you know the, it's patchy yep. and if you want to make like you said a phone call you want to send a text message you, you don't need an internet for that similarly you know the other thing what we are working on is uh, you know the images uh, you know so for example today on whatsapp let's say if uh, if louis were to encounter an image it will just tell the user this message contains an image now which is actually you know of no help so what we are doing is we are completely integrating OCR as well as image recognition in a completely seamless way. So the whole idea would be that, uh, you know, just like it would read a text message or, a, or play out an audio message, it would be able to, uh, you know, in that same seamless way, just tell the user that this message has an image which has got so-and-so and has got this text on the image. So all those capabilities we are sort of building in and, you know, hopefully be able to do even something like an Instagram which is so visual, but then, you know, which can really open the doors uh, for a lot of visually impaired people to be, you know, in the hottest social uh, media uh, app. So, so you're right. So the basics are there, but you still need to build a lot more capabilities. Yeah. And I think that's one of the great features. Like I have an iPhone and one of the great features it has is I guess the AI ability to try to grab whatever text might be on a graphic or give you information as, you know, image contains two people, dog and tree, um, which is better than just image, image, image. So correct. is that what you guys are doing? You guys are using AI as well or object recognition? That, that's correct. But just just to be, uh, you know, just to, uh, so that I don't uh, overclaim or anything. So, you know, I think Louis, uh, what we do very smartly is we don't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Right, because see, what we must appreciate it is, like for example, if you take Siri, Siri is almost more than a 25-year-old project. I mean, Apple bought it only in 2010. You know, it was there since 1990s, and I think billions of dollars would have been spent, uh, you know, trying to build that. So for us, uh, as a small startup, uh, you know, what we are good at is leveraging a lot of existing technologies, including OCR and image recognition, because you know we can't build these. Uh, you know, you can imagine. Uh, I mean, you know, all the the biggies are there, uh, you know, trying to do that and uh, do better. Yeah. So the smartness is to, you know, how do we leverage the existing technology and provide an experience and a solution, which is tailor-made for a blind person. 
you know, and I think that's the biggest difference we are making. The kind of handholding, continuous interaction, you know, like I said, that seamless ability to even, you know, uh, uh, re, uh, make uh, images accessible. So, so that's what really we are good at. And do you have plans to bring it to iOS or are you going to stay on Android because it's easier? Uh, yeah, so see, we needed to start somewhere. And I think it just so <laughs> happened that, uh, by the way, Android also was not easy. I, let me tell you, four years I've been working on this. Only two and a half years back, we formally started our social venture. Uh, initially, everybody told me not possible. So I went to some large companies. Everybody, you know, uh, their Android heads, first thing, first response was just not possible. But we stuck at it. We did a you know a technical feasibility for almost six months, cracked Android. So the same approach I want to take on iPhone as well, uh, which is second half of next year. So yes, a lot of people are telling us that, look, it's not as open. You may not be able to do it. But I just want to attack it with an open <laughs> and see and if, if required, you know, possibly go to Apple also, because I, I, I think there is a strong uh, social impact uh, case for something like this. Right. So I'm not going to give up. I want to get onto iPhone as well because I really realize that you know a lot of people across Western countries for sure use iPhones. Yeah, and is there like a, a cost or a subscription for Louis? Uh, okay, not right now, but you will appreciate that at some point because see, sometimes what happens, uh, good ideas come and then they cannot sustain themselves because Android keeps changing, apps keeps changing, technology keeps changing. So it's important that, uh, you know, for us, it's important that while there is a social good aspect of it, and we want to make sure that it is so affordable that everybody in the world can afford it. So that's very important for our social venture. But at the same time, uh, so, uh, you know, it's important to be sustainable and uh, profitable. So just to, uh, just to give you an idea, so we have right now 13 people in our team, and uh, we have investors in India, US, and Singapore. And, uh, the, you know, at least for a year, it is going to remain uh, free. I, I like to keep it free as long as I can, uh, you know, with investor support. Mm -hmm. But even when we price it ourselves, the thought is, uh, you know, we'll not just have $1 price across the world. So we'll have, even in US, for example, we want to keep it at an affordable, uh, you know, I, I, I like to benchmark it against a cup of coffee. So just one cup of a normal coffee, regular coffee, not a Starbucks coffee, which could be $5, <laughs> but one regular coffee. And if you benchmark like that across the world, you'll get a very different pricing. Right. So, uh, so, so, you know, Africa can be a very different point of affordability. So that's what we want to do. Because for me, you know, I'm doing it uh, more to, like I said, solve my problem and hopefully make it work for everybody else. So it's important that not 2% of the people use it and make us profitable, but, uh, you know, I mean, everybody has access to it and they can sort of afford it. So I'm, I'm curious about the actual technology behind it, because I've always thought that something like being able to control your your phone with your voice, I, I'm, I'm often surprised that that isn't something that hasn't been more available sooner. Um, I know that Android has some, some sort of limited built-in functionality in that sense, and Apple as well. Why is it that, that this type of technology really hasn't, I mean, we're, here we are in 2021, you know, <laughs> 10 years down the road from, from smartphones, and still we don't really see a lot of apps like this. Why do you think that is? See, okay, so you're absolutely right. I mean, come to think of it, it's a ridiculously simple idea, right? <laughs> I can't take a patent over this idea that, you know, by voice control, by just voice commands, manage, control your phone. I think if you ask me where the difference is, that see, our starting point was a blind person. And today also the core use cases of a blind person who cannot see the screen at all. So as I said, then the, you know, then the requirements are completely different. Now, today, all the tools and technologies are there. You know, if somebody wants to do, uh, do it, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, of course, Google and Apple can do it far more easy. But for any th third party, it's not going to be easy at all. But I think somewhere, uh, uh, you know, everybody has focused on the sighted person. So even, for example, if you take Google Assistant also as, as an example, and if I take the whole Uber experience and it asks me, where do you want to go? And if I say, okay, I want to go here, it will show up uh, three options on the screen and it will select. Right now, that doesn't work for a you know for a visually impaired, and then of course they have the habit of going silent all the time because they, the way they have been designed, I think it's more of a designed uh, thinking. So even Siri, that you know fundamentally they are designed with uh, you know uh, one command and then you take an action and then go silent. You know that whole continuous uh, interaction and particularly being able to do everything within an app, uh, I don't think it exists uh, right now on any other app. 
Yeah, and the, the thing about this type of technology is that it extends far beyond even just, you know, blindness or, you know, low vision into people who have, you know, physical access issues, for example, people who are in wheelchairs or quadriplegics. I mean, and I know that there there is there are solutions out there for this, but it just seems to me like having something like, you know, the like an app like Louie or built-in functionality to the operating systems of these phones would just have been like some some sort of a natural fit. Even something like Dragon Naturally Speaking, which is you know dictation software for the computer, for the PC or Mac, still isn't allowing us to do natural language dictation to the computer. There's still specific commands you need to speak out in order to have things done. So, you know, natural language processing, I guess, still is a is a tough science pro- project. It is, but like uh, like uh, like we try to do for uh, Louis. I think you could still figure out, uh, you know, a certain kind of human interactions where it's sort of more controlled, and yet you know, user is easily able to understand it and do it. So I agree with you. There's a lot more work that can be ha- that can happen, and the core technology definitely exists. So how do you prioritize like what apps you're going to work on next? Is it community driven, or do you have your own roadmap? Uh, okay. See, right now it's completely community driven, but just to be honest, uh, see, like I said, I, I've been working on it for four years, two and a half years back, we started the company. And I think almost one and a half years back, we had a very basic prototype, which we still decided to put it up on Play Store for, uh, you know, users to use. And honestly, uh, you know, uh, all along at that time, I always had this feeling that, look, I'm either only idiot in the world who's going to use this app. Uh, so it's about six weeks back that we actually started telling the world about uh, Louis, and uh, today we actually get uh, you know all, uh, my email ID, my uh, mobile WhatsApp number is you know freely available with users. So I get a lot of these direct calls. I talk to a lot of people. So today it's all community driven, if you ask me. So for example, I'll give you examples. Uh, you know, uh, so we did have a roadmap. But then, uh, you know, users came back and told us that, look, I have difficulty even doing, for example, Google search, uh, browsing on Chrome, being able to read articles, being able to read documents, etc. And then, uh, you know, uh, 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 documents which can be scanned documents or uh, documents which are uh, readable. So, uh, or even simple things like, uh, you know, receiving calls, disconnecting calls, or like I told told you about the image uh, recognition and reading it. Or even something like Instagram. I mean, a lot of people just don't use it because they just feel that, look, it's not for visually impaired. So uh, so I think as we are going along, there is this rich feedback, which we continuously keep getting offline, the thing that I spoke about. And that's the way I would really like to build this app. So in terms of development, so when you say pick an app that you're, you're going to make Louie compatible with, like say we'll use WhatsApp for an example, um, how closely do you then have to work with those app developers in order to make it all work? Okay, actually, that's the another beauty of our app. I don't have to go to anybody. Uh, so, okay, so just to tell you, we initially built a screen reading technology for ourselves, and now we leverage that. So the way it works is that, uh, you know, imagine, you know, if I have to go to any of these big multinationals, and for them to open up their app, there will be massive documentation, legal agreements, liabilities, this, that. It could take months. I mean, I'll be out of business by that time. So what we do is we actually work on top of each app. So we have the capability to work on top also, also work with APIs wherever available. So for example, the entire phone calling in Android, contacts management, text messaging is all through API. So that's done under the hood. But uh, Uber, for example, WhatsApp, uh, YouTube is all right on top of the screen. So like that's why I said it's like a virtual friend right there on the phone screen. Now that gives us, you know, so theoretically, whatever a sighted person can do, Louis can also voice enable it completely for any uh, for a blind user with just voice command. So that's why our approach is so much more powerful. So it sounds like that's really the power of Louis is that it's it's very versatile because you can re- literally just pick any app that that the community has sort of chosen as something that they'd really like to see included and you can just roll with it and you don't have to wait for all that absolutely because i don't have to seek any permissions etc and by the way uh, these companies help so for example uber helped us with the test accounts otherwise imagine we would have gone bankrupt by now just booking these uber rides and canceling them right so today i have these test accounts where anywhere in the world any city in the world i can actually take an uber ride 
uh, you know, and test my app, whether it's uh, working in Mexico City, whether it's working in uh, New York, I can do that sitting uh, right here. So we have received a lot of support and help from them. But like I said, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we just do it independently and you're absolutely right. It just gives us complete freedom. I've got a list of apps I'm going to email you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, please do that. You know, and also, you know, not only list of apps, uh, you know, the things which are pain points, you know, things which you find uh, difficult to do and wish that, you know, they were a simple, simpler solution. Oh, they're not even difficult. I just want to use my voice. I don't want to have to reach over and touch my phone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and, you know, by the way, it's very addictive. I used to have a mental block against using voice commands. Can you believe it? So it was an investor who pushed me and he said, look, uh, the future of technology is voice. And tomorrow there may not be screen. So what are you doing with your screen reader? You know, that's where the <laughs> conversation started. And he was right, because today if you see smart speakers, gadgets, yeah. uh, you know, with the voice capabilities, and it's very, very addictive. I can tell you today I don't, uh, I just hate to use, uh, you know, touch my screen and uh, not for typing at all. I mean, I, I just hate typing. It, it's not needed. I mean, this is far more convenient. You know, it, that's, that brings up a really valid point, though, too, because I think you're absolutely right. Um, we are moving in that, that direction of voice controlled and it, it is becoming more and more ingrained in people. Like I, I'm a perfect example, like over Christmas, I went and bought smart bulbs for my living room. Right. <laughs> right. And so that I could just, I can just tell Google to, to turn off the lights and <laughs> I could also just lean over and turn them off. But you know what? Nine times out of 10, no, I'll, I'll tell Google to turn them off. Cause I don't know. Cause I'm a nerd, but but, you know, but I, th I do think that 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 is it. We are moving that way as more and more as we get get used to voice commands and we want to, like, be able to, like, just turn the TV on and off with our voice or, you know, the, the idea of a smart home is becoming more and more comfortable for a lot of people. And um, I, I really see a, a really huge use case um, for. Um, blind or partially sighted people, especially in a mobility sense. I mean, if you're out on the road and you've got a cane in one hand or you've got your your dog in the other, um, the the ability to be able to use your voice to control your phone to bring up Google Maps or to to answer the phone or to check your email or whatever you want to do, I think is really powerful. But that being said, there's also a huge mainstream um applicability as well because i think that just everybody could use you know voice control on their phone at one time or, or another absolutely and you know uh, so you had mentioned motor disabled there is also a sizable elderly population and uh, some of them are not so comfortable with technology as as well especially the touch phones so uh, yeah for, it works for them as well beautifully yeah you know and especially like you know especially as as great as um, voiceover and talkback are like, and I'm sure Ryan can attest to this. Like, it can be a real pain in the butt where you're after your swipe, swipe, double tap. Like, that can really require a lot of, you know, uh, it can require you needing extra hands, especially when you're on the go. Well, if you look through the list of gestures in iOS or in talkback on Android, you know, there's one finger tap, double tap, two finger tap, two finger triple taps, three finger taps, four finger taps. Yes. You know, like you could tap, 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 tap all day long and still not learn all the gestures. So if I could just say, Louie, play my audio book, you know, Man in the High Castle, you know, it starts playing it. Then I can pause it. I could skip forward. I could skip backward. You know, some of the things that people want to do on a regular basis um, is super powerful. Like I was saying earlier, you know, if I, if I'm laying in bed listening to an audiobook or a podcast, or I want to check the time, I don't want to have to reach over, hit my phone, unlock it, swipe up to find the time or pause my book or whatever. I could just say, Louie, stop, or Louie, what time is it? Or, you know, Louie, pause the podcast. It's so much more convenient. Absolutely. And I think the good thing about voice solutions is, you know, the other difference I'd like to point out is, uh, let's say I'll take an example of WhatsApp, uh, which is like Messenger. Now you want to, let's say, clear your chat. So all the messages in the chats. Now, typically, if you have to do it via screen reader, there are at least, uh, you know, lots of swipes and taps and, uh, you know, all of that you'll have to do, probably eight, ten of them. Now with Louis, you just have to say clear. And uh, that uh, will, you know, it will open up and do everything. So it actually saves you a lot of that trouble as well. 
uh, and you i mean and as a user you just need to, to say what you want rather than worrying about what's on the screen which buttons are there where, where inside the menu it is there you don't have to worry about that yeah so and that's it, why i feel that you know the learning curve can be really really uh, short for this well and not all yeah. apps are created equally you know developers use yes. different design techniques different layout structures <laughs> absolutely you know absolutely. so you don't with louis you don't have to learn that the pause button is down in the middle of the bottom of the screen or you know the i don't know the next button is on the right hand side of the screen louis will come up and say to you ryan what would you like to do next play stop next back you just tell it what you want. It's so convenient. Got like, it. it's great. Got it. And, uh, you know, the apps also keeps changing. Uh, you know, so, so, yeah. so apps might change, uh, you know, their UI itself. So suddenly, you know, what used to be on the left has now, you know, gone to the right <laughs> or, uh, you know, changed completely. And, uh, you know, it impacts you as a screen reader. It doesn't impact us, actually. Right. Well, and that was my next question. Um, because as a developer, because, you know, obviously apps get up updated all the time and and uis change does that ever screw you up like do you have to be like oh no whatsapp completely changed their api <laughs> yes. so now we have to adjust uh, okay very you know i'll tell you once in a while now we have become good at the game so just to tell you whatsapp uh, in last two years uh, one and a half years only once they had they made some changes we saw them coming it took us about six hours to fix those uh, Uber keeps changing here and there, little, little changes. Uh, YouTube also, you know, you, you see YouTube, I think, comes with an update every two, three days. Uh, <laughs> but most of them don't impact us, right? These are minor changes which we are now good at. Uh, you know, and a lot of these changes, you don't have to update your app. So, you know, what we do is our voice data is actually stored on the server. And uh, we just update the app, uh, you know, so let's say there is a minor change. I can actually just make the change, upload it to the server, and automatically it comes onto your phone. So you don't have to update your app, uh, you know, to make it uh, work with the new version of, let's say, an Uber or a YouTube. So now I'm I'm, a, I'm curious about the team um, because, I, and I was just saying this to Ryan earlier that I, I really feel like the 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 great thing about today is that it's very different developing software slash apps than it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you know, you had to start a software company and it was, there was it just seemed to be a lot harder. Whereas app development these days seems to be a little bit more like a, a cottage industry and you can have a smaller team. So I'm just curious to, to know the story around your team and just how big it how big is it? So we started with me as the single person initially. Then uh, the earlier uh, recruits are all uh, developers. And today we have a team of 13, which includes six people who are uh, Android developers. And th then, by the way, I have three more visually impaired people in the team. So they are they typically take care of user experience and uh, testing. And then we have a small marketing team. So that makes it total 13 of us. Right. And uh, so, so you're right. Uh, today, I think the tools are there. But then, you know, the whole game is A, the concept, the visual, you know, the, that visioning it out and saying, okay, what is it that we really need to make? And then, uh, you know, uh, like I said, smartly putting this technology together. And the one other area which we focus on and I realize myself that, look, uh, users don't really deal with technology, right? So if you take Louis, what is Louis for a blind person? It's just, a, you know, Louis saying something and then the user is supposed to say something, right? So it's just a two-way conversation. So you focus a lot of a massive amount of energy on user experience. So just to tell you, you know, let's say if I'm doing an app, it is quite possible that I might crack the app in, a te in technical terms within three weeks. It might take another three weeks to get the user experience right, the user flows right. So slowly our developers are also getting used to that idea. You know, I had to initially even use uh, blindfolds because often, you know, they look at the screen and say, oh, it seems to be fine. You know, what's the problem? So I had to, you know, put on the blindfold and say, now you tell me, you know, <laughs> can you do, do it? So, so the, you know, so I think somewhere, you know, if, while we say technology, there are these softer aspects, uh, you know, which are very important. So we will, you know, day one, we knew that it's going to be a global app. So we, and uh, one of the ways you can start it by, is by saying, hey, Louis. Uh, so we, uh, you know, wanted a name which is short and sweet and easy to pronounce, whether you are in Russia or US or South Africa or India. So, uh, you know, so it was one of the agencies that was helping us. They came up with the name Louis and it, uh, they saw it. Uh, it was completely inspired by Louis Braille. And we know how much Braille has impacted our life. 
so louis has you know with that inspiration that maybe we can also create some kind of an impact uh, you know uh, on on our community so the, so that's how the name uh, louis came i love it and it was just world braille day yeah absolutely third <laughs> of jan correct um well listen we want to thank you so much for coming on um before we let you go though can you let everybody know where they can find Louie and um, reach out and contact you if they have any questions or if they want to suggest an app? Great. So Louie is spelled as L-O-U-I-E. The name of the app is Louie Voice Control, and you will find it on uh, Play Store in Android. And like I said, we would be working on getting it for iPhone as well. And I can be reached on my email ID. It is Pramit, P-R-A-M-I-T, at louisvoice.com. And like I said, Louis being spelled as L-O-U-I-E. So Pramit at louisvoice.com. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you, sir. Best of luck with the app. Uh, it's amazing. And um, we'll have to have you back on when, um, when there's some more apps being supported. And we'll talk again. Yes, thank you so much. I just enjoyed it here. Great, Pramit. Thanks so much. You're just starting your day over there, aren't you? Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> correct. But yeah. It's a good beginning to the day. And I look forward to your email with all the suggestions for the apps. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have it by Friday. <laughs> it's a long be, list. Be careful, be, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, and by the way, please use it. And even if you don't like any of it, just give me the feedback as is. I, I really love it. In fact, you know, a lot of the feedback, I, I, you know, I, people come back and say, great app. It doesn't help me. So I love getting <laughs> feedback saying, oh, this is not working for me. Or can you make this work differently because this is what I need? I mean, because that really helps us improve. Let me ask you one question while we still have you. Sorry, Rob, the editor. Are there specific system requirements for Android in order for Louis to work? Yeah, so only one uh, requirement. Uh, it works on Android 7 and above. Okay. So we support right all the way up to Android 11. And the only reason is because Android came up with a new accessibility architecture with Android 7. Right. So it can work with 5 and 6, but then, you know, it's not very stable. So we decided, uh, you know, because every user who downloads it wants a good experience. So the, right now we only support Android 7 and above. Sure. Great. Okay. Now we're done. We're done. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. Well, wow, that was really—that's really cool. Um, I love the fact that um, I really thought that they'd have to really work closely with those app developers, but the fact that they don't, and they can just basically overlay um, Louie over top of the app and and have it work like that—that's that's really powerful. Yeah, you should try it because you're an Android user, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely download it and give it a shot because it is pretty slick. Well, and you know, the more I do think about it, the more I do think that there's there's incredible mainstream possibilities here as well. Like this is one of those great apps that's it's a that would be a great piece piece of AT, but it's also a really powerful mainstream technology as well. And those are always the 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 things that really blossom because you have people on on all sides that um, are getting use out of something like this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm just thinking of some apps that the blind are using, like one of them in particular is Voice Dream Reader, which is an accessible, you know, multi-document style format reader. And, you know, I'm not sure if it does highlighting of the text as it reads along, but, you know, something like that for somebody with re reading difficulties, if you could get Louis to say, you know, open Voice Dream Reader, read document, blah, blah, blah and it highlights the text as, as it goes, that's super powerful. You know, some, that, that same person may not have the dexterity to use a touchscreen properly. Yeah, and like I said, like we are really moving towards this idea of smart, smart homes and smart devices. And we want, now that, now that you know, we, they've snuck these you know, smart assistants into our lives, these smart speakers and digital assistants into our lives, um, I do feel like more and more those are going to be features that are built into things all around us and that we are moving in that direction. So, you know, having having a voice controlled phone seems like um, a pretty logical next step. Yeah, absolutely. You know, voice assistance is, you know, kind of a one way communication for the most part. Now, you know, Amazon and Google have started, I guess, giving you the ability to prompt you for a follow up question. But 
you're right. You know, how many of us have smart plugs in our homes? How many of, of us may have smart thermostats, you yep. know, sitting on the couch saying, turn on the Christmas lights or the outdoor lights or whatever the fact may be. It's, it's convenient. And, you know, I'll be, I guess, the first to come up and say that we as humans, I think, are pretty lazy. And we will take full advantage of convenience where oh, possible. That's right. It's true. Uh, it's true. Convenience is certainly something that appeals to the mainstream market. But again, like, you know, it's it, that's the real irony, right? Is that for somebody who has any sort of a, a disability, it's it's a lifesaver. Yeah. It's not a convenience. Yeah, absolutely. So, um but it, that will still drive the market. Like the mainstream drives the market. And if you can make a piece of AT that has a really strong mainstream implications, uh, you're going to be successful. You know, if I could sit here on, on my couch in the guitar dungeon with my home theater all around me and say, hey, Louie, play, I don't know, Sons of Anarchy on Netflix. And it says, would you like to start season one, episode one? Yes. And starts playing it sold done like i don't have to yeah, grab but, the remote make sure i'm on the right input you know <laughs> scroll to that episode or that season hit the play button like i'm done <laughs> yeah well see and well and you know there is that functionality in um google home maybe you should get a google home mr amazon i gave you mine uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and i use it all the time um but um yeah if, no, you, but, if you have a chromecast and you can do all that yeah sure Sure, but but that is the limitation of these of these smart speakers, right? right? Is that they they generally have that functionality, but they're only for certain apps that they support, right? And it's usually in the same ecosystem, right? Right. You know, if you have an iPhone, you're screwed. Or if you have an Apple TV and a Google Home, well, good luck with that. Like that's those aren't going to play well together. Um, so something like Louis that is flexible enough to be for, for them to be able to be like, Oh, you know, a lot of people are asking for this app. So let's just build in that functionality and it takes them a month or something to do it. Um, that's a lot more, they can respond a lot faster than, than somebody like Google and for a Google home to introduce new functionality for new, for new devices or features. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think a company like Pramit's, um, and smaller app developers as well are a lot more forthcoming with information and looking for beta yeah. testers and communicating with their audience. You know, Apple's, yeah. the Google's aren't that great. So when something new comes out, it might just be a blip, but then it's gone and you don't really hear much about the, about anything from them. Well, you know, and that's always, that's why I love talking to these small app developers, right? Right. Because they're always so community driven and they're mm -hmm. always just about the community and they love people like getting criticism or having beta testers and you don't get that with the big companies no um so yeah i love that's why i love talking to guys like like premit so yeah that's yeah. right so everybody that's get cool. out there go to your android play store download louie give it a shot and give them your feedback yeah there you go make the we'll app better we will include a link in the show notes we will Hey, you know what we? You know what we? What happened again? I noticed what? we. Steve's not here, and we did not even address that. Uh, I'm not too worried about Steve's it. Steve's not here. Who cares? I know, but I don't know. <laughs> Steve, who? I don't know. Maybe you got some fans in the audience. Who does? Steve does. Fans right there. Yeah, maybe. I don't no, know. he doesn't have fans. No. No. He's never got any any of that fan mail. It's the Ryan and Rob show. There you go. Um, hey, we're gonna change the name of the podcast to the Ryan and Rob show. Yeah, well, maybe. I've been wanting to rebrand the show for a long time, since like our fifth episode where we realized, yeah, we're not really going to be talking exclusively AT. about AT. Yeah. You know, I, but we do talk that. more than just AT. AT can stand for a lot of different things. Yeah, it's true. But, so, yeah, yeah, use your imagination. That's why we've never actually said what it stands for. That's right. It's part if, of the mystery. If you want to help us rebrand the AT Banter podcast, send your suggestions to cowbell. No, don't. At atbanter.com. Don't, we're not rebranding at this point. <laughs> not after four and a half years, damn it. No, we just, you know, we, we have a following. All the audience that we have. That's right. We're not losing any of them. That's we right. love them all. You're all staying here with us. That's right. You're all rock stars. No, you're all duct tape in our basement. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Grab the zap straps. Uh, uh,
God. All right. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where the hell can people find us? They can find us at www.atbanter.com. You can also drop us an email if you so desire. You can talk to us about whatever the hell you want or uh, give us a show idea or uh, whatever. Cowbell at atbanter.com. And please give us some show ideas. We love to hear from our audience, and we're always looking for new ideas for the show, new guests for the show. Yeah, there you go. Wait, didn't I just say that? Yes. I'm just following it up. (laughs) Saying, yes, audience, please submit your suggestions, topics, guests for an upcoming episode. Wait, sure, sure. Here, let me do it right. You want to email us? Email us. You want to email us? Email us. I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to speak backwards. Put a track of, from uh, Sergeant Peppers over top of that. There you go. There we go. Anyways, um, all right. Well, I think that's going to about do it for us. First episode of 2021 in the bag. I thought it went splendidly. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. Okay. There you go. See you there. You're you're your own worst critic. I am indeed. All right. That is going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. We will see everybody next week. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 